Good morning. This is Martin Patella, health coach at Life Enthusiast. Last week, I talked about the lectures by Dr. Brian Ardis. He originally released a documentary about watch the water, as in he started discovering venoms, venoms from poisonous creatures, snakes and insects and sea creatures like mollusks, specifically conotoxins from cold snails. Anyway, he started discovering them in water and he realized that the military funded research has made it into companies, one of them famously named Gilead, but other companies that are manufacturing these snake and other toxins in the form of peptides. And these peptides are able to be packaged into what's known as plasmid. And this plasmid is a tiny packet of DNA that is surrounded by the mRNA delivery technology that's essentially liposomal. A whole bunch of words about technical, how this is put together. But the bottom line of it is that it is made by bacteria that have been genetically modified or by molds or fungus that has been genetically modified or yeast. And these things, once they are delivered into the human body, are infinitely reproducible and reproducing. Unlike other things that we naturally encounter, for which there is an on and off switch, as in a gene, every gene that we have genetically in us has a signal that turns it on and signal that turns it off. This new technology that has been developed in labs and released out into the wild doesn't have an off switch. Once in, it just continues to work and continues to reproduce and continues to affect the physiology of the humans and probably other animals like dogs, cats, horses, goats, and everything else that it gets into. This is an experiment that may prove to be quite destructive to many things. Anyway, what Dr. Ardis explained is that these things can be aerosolized. An aerosol is something that is small enough that it will float in the air. There are two competing theories of how illness happens. One of the theories is the seed theory or germ theory. And they declare that seed is always the dominant feature. And by that they say is that the germ being the equivalent of the seed falls in wherever it may fall in and always will bloom into the plant that it was meant to become. And of course, in the germ theory, that means that uh, when you plant tuberculosis bacterium, it will give you tuberculosis. When you plant in a gonorrhea, gonococcus, you will have the illness, gonorrhea. Then they expanded that theory to include virus, which they're reaching because with bacteria, it's easy. You can find a way to apply the four principles established by Robert Koch, a German germologist. He was a biological researcher. Anyway, he established these four principles, postulates, they call them, which require that you are able to, one, 
find something in the sick person that's not in the healthy person, isolates the thing, and then take the thing, put it into a healthy person, and that healthy person will become a sick person in the same manner as the first one. Steps, right? You have to be able to isolate it, and you have to be able to inoculate it into another person and cause the same symptoms. Those are the postulates. You cannot extend these into virology because with a virus, you can never isolate it and you can never transmit it. They insist that it's transmissible, but we're not so sure of it. Anyway, so the theory of the seed versus the soil. The soil being the terrain, the terrain theory says the seed will grow only if the soil is fertile. So perhaps the truth is somewhere in the middle, the combination of the two, is that only if I am willing recipient of a message of a germ will I develop the symptoms. And that's truly what happened. People who were falling seriously ill with this infection were those who had comorbidities, people whose immune systems have been or were challenged people with high blood pressure, obesity, other circumstantial problems, immune challenges. So where am I headed with this? Well, we have the development in the military laboratories when they're testing for gain of function. Gain of function is a process by which they create something that wasn't there before. And with that, they are able to release this or at least transmit it to another person and cause an effect. And in these circumstances, the effects are pretty deadly. So Dr. Ardith says you will see effects that are mapped back to the venoms that they are researching or including in this genetic payload. So we go back to the beginning. So we have a plasmid. Inside of this plasmid is a coiled piece of DNA. And in that piece of DNA, we have programmed the specific venom that when delivered will deliver specific effects. So the SARS-CoV-2, two dominant venoms in it was one was from King Cobra and the other one was from Chinese crate snake. And both of these have a strong effect on the nervous system. And he identified the alpha-7 nicotinic acetylcholine receptor, which is in great many cells, an important point in the brainstem. And in the brainstem, when affected or infected, it will start blocking the function of the diaphragm. The diaphragm being the bellows, the pump, that when that muscle moves, diaphragm is a flat muscle that's separating your lungs from the rest of your belly. And that diaphragm is supposed to be pushing upward when you exhale and then pushing downward when you inhale. And you can see it that your belly and your chest should expand when you're inhaling. Well, this diaphragm controls your breathing. So if that muscle becomes paralyzed completely, well, then you're done. But partially, you are unable to breathe correctly. And this is how these snakes kill their victims, by disabling their ability to oxygenate. So they become sleepy and unable to move 
and then the snake can do their business by swallowing them whole. So when this arrives inside of a human, the diaphragm function starts going downhill and also the heart function starts going downhill. And that's what we saw. We saw people in hypoxia. Oxygenation levels are supposed to be 97, 98, 99%. People were turning up with 60 and even 50%, which is very critically ill. And in the emergency rooms, they were treating it as a lung problem rather than as a poisoning problem. The most similar thing to this is cyanide poisoning. Cyanide kills you by stopping your ability to oxygenate. So they should have treated it as either a altitude illness or cyanide poisoning or blood poisoning, perhaps. And they have emergency room protocols for cyanide poisoning. They know what to do, but that's not what they did. They instead treated it as a lung illness, intubating people and all of that other stuff that went on. The point that I'm trying to get to is this, the delivery system. Whatever's going on inside of me, my system is going to process that and exhale it or produce it, right? The quickest way out is exhalation. The second one is sputum. Sputum as in stuff you spit out. And your sweat and your urine and your other fluids. Could be feces, could be other bodily fluids that will contact others. But sweat is enough, right? So when you touch another person and come in touch with their perspiration, you are sampling their microbes. So now that we understand that these plasmids deliver the payload that will infect the bacteria that are living inside of us, that means that we become ready factories producing these changed genetics. We continue to produce these. That also means that at some point, everybody's going to encounter it in various levels. Like if you get a big dose of it, then that's the infection in the wild. If you're going to have it injected into your body, well, that's a voluntary injection. And then of course, then there's this concept called shedding, which means that you will interchange, exchange with one another. And at some point it's going to be everywhere. The other delivery methodology, spraying it in the air and putting it in the water. And I suppose it's possible somebody decides to inoculate the water supply in a specific building or in a specific city or in a specific segment of town, they can do that. All they have to do is inject this into the water supply because once I drink it, it gets into my gut, then it modifies the microbiome and on and on and on. So the reason I'm giving this introduction is that I want to talk to you about what blocks it. Because Dr. Arnis gave very clear answers of what's blocking this. And especially what's blocking the next one that's coming, because they've already told us what's coming. They announced that it was going to be the Marburg infection, which is less easy to catch, but much more deadly. It's from the Ebola class. And once infected, it's bleeding from the eyes and every other soft or mucosal barrier that would be bleeding from the mouth, anus, 
reproductive organs, really bad news. The one important thing is that this stuff can be blocked. One, it can be blocked by chlorine. So as long as there's enough chlorine in the water supply, it will kill it. But they control it and they can decide to dial it back. I should start talking about the antidotes at the same time. So for example, I have here, here's a bottle of it. This is called Amazing O. And this bottle is called Amazing Soak. These two things contain the same chemical. It's called a Fulton chloride mix. And what that does is when you release it, it will produce hypochlorous acid. It smells a bit like your public pool, like your public water supply. That's because it's the same chemical that they would use. It releases not chlorine, but hypochlorous acid, which is the same thing that your white blood cell will release inside your body when it tries to kill an invader. So this thing is in fact quite safe to use and non-destructive to your overall physiology. But because it has a very, very high ORP, oxidation reduction potential, it raises the ORP level from the normal friendly oh, minus 25 millivolt or so, past zero into the positive territory, past 650 millivolt. 650 millivolt kills E. coli bacteria. This thing goes to 700, 750, meaning that whatever you put it in contact with is going to be destroyed. The microbes, that is. So I have here a solution in my spray bottle. So the way we use it is we take this concentrate and we make a 2% solution. That's a teaspoon into a cup. So this being four ounces or half a cup, this would have half a teaspoon or 50 drops of the concentrate. And you can use it by spraying it on any surface like this or in your mouth. And when you do that, it goes right into your lungs. And we also have it available in a spray that we call O-Spray. And this thing has on the top this special injector that when you press this downward, mist comes out of the top. So you just blow it up your nose. That's kind of handy because otherwise whatever's in your nose, in your sinuses and the likes, you want to sterilize it, wipe it out, get rid of it. So you can spray this thing on your keyboard, on your telephone, on your microphone, on whatever surface, on groceries when you bring them home. It's super useful. Whatever you spray it on, the microbes living on the surface of that thing are done. ROS, reactive oxygen species. It's like fire to them. So that was one. Dr. Artis said that one, chlorine destroys this stuff. That's what this is. This is the chloride blend. It's edible. It's the same stuff that EPA has certified to be used in drinking water to destroy the microorganisms. What we have here is we have it in bulk and we can use it in higher concentration and it works super efficiently. So that's my number one tool. Now, since we all use this 
lovely thing called Nanosoma, we end up with a collection of bottles, right? So these one ounce bottles are super handy. So an eighth of a teaspoon or 12 drops of the concentrate put into this bottle filled with water and there's your handy sprayer. Spray it everywhere you need. Handy. Fits any purse, any pocket. Why am I mentioning Nanosoma? Nanosoma repairs three things. One, it repairs mitochondria. That means that your foods to energy conversion is optimized. Your blood glucose levels are optimized. And one of the major symptoms, diabetes, of this infection is neutralized. Two, it optimizes all cell receptors. One of the receptors that we heard mentioned was this alpha-7 nicotinic acetylcholine receptor. Well, that's one of the many. There's iodine receptor, vitamin C receptor, vitamin D receptor, and so on. There are many. And all of these receptors get optimized with nanosoma in the body. That's why we see such positive changes. All of the negative effects of infections and, and of aging and of interacting with damaging eating badly or behaving badly or whatever else we do to cause ourselves to age. Nanosoma is very helpful in de-aging. I see it in myself that in the last three years that I have been using Nanosoma, I definitely don't feel a minute older than I was three years ago. Hard to guess because it's, this is an experiment sample of one. It's hard for me to make claims what I would be or would have been like had I not been on it, but it feels good. Anyway, so that's the optimization of receptors. And the important ones are vitamin D. We know that everybody on sufficient vitamin D levels is resilient toward infections. And vitamin C optimization. This was a major discovery Dr. Raghavan made, which has to do with this. Vitamin C can be either endogenous or exogenous. Exogenous is from the outside, supplemented as uh, vitamin C pills and powders. Endogenous is vitamin C in the body circulating. There appears to be a huge differential in effectiveness. The external, you need to supplement something like 1,000 milligrams every hour or so in order to make a significant impact on somebody who's got an acute health problem. But the endogenous, you need only a few milligrams for it to work effectively. It appears to be recycling this endogenous vitamin C, which is akin to you being able to make your own vitamin C, which is something that a chimpanzee can do, but the human cannot for some who knows what reason that the genetics shifted. Anyway, it's important because vitamin C was another item on the list that he said is going to block the expression of this incoming threat, Marburg. Two other things he mentioned, glutathione and NAC. NAC, as in N-acetylcysteine, is a precursor to glutathione. We have the ability to deliver glutathione in a liposomal packaging. Normal glutathione that's not liposomal will not survive the trip through the digestive tract. But once you make it liposomal, it will get absorbed and it will do its job. 
the job of glutathione is to help recycle and recharge all these electron-delivering vitamins, vitamin C and B and A and all of the other ones. Their main job is to move the currency of life, electrons. To explain, oxidation is a taking away of an electron. Reduction is giving it back. Oxidation is acidifying. Reduction is alkalizing. So when you are burning something, converting food into energy, you are oxidizing. And you have to. If you don't oxidize, you are essentially dead. But in the process of doing so, you're creating these ROS, reactive oxygen species. And you need to have plenty of that on board in order to support life. And this supplement that I showed you just a moment ago is a supply of the ROS. And it's needed in order to lift the body's ability to fight the external threats. Now that the threats have been eliminated, we also need to be able to extinguish the fires. And that happens through reduction. And the reduction happens with the vitamins. But the vitamin, as soon as the vitamin C donates its electron, it has to go back, visit with glutathione. The glutathione will recharge it. And then the glutathione is the one that's lacking the electron. So the glutathione has to go to your liver and through methylation be recharged there. So it's a complex dance. And these are billions of transactions per second. This is really fast moving stuff. Anyway, so what am I saying here? Glutathione is helping the body recharge the vitamin C, which will refresh the balance of everything in the body. And then finally, the last one that was mentioned was EDTA. EDTA is a binder of electropositive things, calcium, magnesium, but also mercury and lead and other electropositive charged. That's like when you see the equations written out in chemistry, you will see CA++, which is two electrons that are needing to be bound. So... What do we do here? Well, we need to deliver on both sides. For a healthy person, you know, when you lower the level of performance, you lower both the oxidation and the antioxidation, you could be stable, but you're stable at a very miserably low level, so you're hardly alive. To be fully alive, you need to be high level of oxidation and high level of antioxidation reduction. You have to have both. So that's what we're doing. We need to deliver this, and we need to also deliver the antioxidants. We're working on something. You have heard of methylene blue. That's one of the ways delivering high level of antioxidants. So we're going to do that. But vitamin C will do for now. Okay, now, how are they delivering it to us? They're delivering it to us on water. In water, we need highly efficient delivery system. Now, water tends to cluster. This happens by static or buildup of static electric potential. To demonstrate, when I rub my hands like this together and try to feel charge between them, you can demonstrate it to yourself. Another way, of course, would be if you go in your socks on a carpet and you shuffle your feet and then you touch the doorknob and poof, you have a discharge. That's the discharge of the electric buildup. 
Well, something very similar happens with water as it's flowing through the pipe. If you visualize the pipe is a round thing and water that flows near the center is facing less resistance than the water that is touching the walls of the pipe, the inside walls. And so that water is being slowed down by the walls, which means that there is this laminar friction. And with that friction, we're seeing a buildup of this electric charge. And that's what's causing clustering of water. The greater the charge, the bigger the cluster size. And the important bit is this. Water gets into your cells through aquaporin channels that allow water to come in only single file, tiny openings. So only the water molecules that are unattached to other water molecules come through. So if you have a very high percentage of the water molecules that are clustering, you will be irrigating yourself by drinking water, but you will not be hydrating yourself at the cellular level because these clusters will not allow water to get in. We need to discharge that. So I have multiple methods by which we discharge it. I want to show you what I have here. This is the gadget that I use in my life. So you see, this is a gallon sized jug. And inside of this jug, I have a bag of prills. Well, there are actually two. And then also there are these ceramic bits. We call them the pearls. And these things, passively, by interacting with water, are discharging these energies. It's sort of like popping bubbles. The, the clusters are like the bubbles, and these crystals on contact just break it apart. So a much greater percentage of water molecules are unclustered, thereby getting me a much greater level of hydration. So that's direct contact. We also have a gadget that we make so this here, we sell this as a star chamber receiver, and it's composed of the following. The bottom part, that's a cupcake, and this is a pair of large pearls, a pair of medium, and a pair of small. So these things uh, here in this example, they're glued together using epoxy. So we sell them separately. You can make your own. The way this is, there's some sort of a resonance that this device provides. I'm smelling it. It's been more than a month since I put a single drop aromatherapy oil. I like to smell spikenard. I put a single drop of spikenard on top of it. I can still smell it. It still is broadcasting it through my room here. So anyway, you can buy the pearls. I use the pearls in the following manner. Here in this glass of water that I'm using, I have the pearls on the bottom because they help to hold the water in better energetic state. So that's the ceramics that are really handy to have. Because when you keep water discharged, well, it behaves better. It becomes a better transporter of nutrients in and toxins out of cells. The water changes. It lowers surface tension, lower ORP, lower acidity, and smaller cluster sizes. That much we know. So then I want to show you this other gizmo. This is a gizmo called ADR4. In here, there's an embossed ADR4 on one side and nothing on the other. Anyway, it's the size of my palm. And whatever you put on top of it will get harmonized. It will discharge the stuck energies in whatever you put on it. This could be an apple. 
a bowl of salad, a bowl of soup, a cup of coffee, even microwaved food gets harmonized. So if you warm up a cup of coffee in your microwave, please put it on this plate for like a minute. It will reharmonize the thing. I travel with it. I go to restaurants with it. So whatever they serve me, I reharmonize it with this. And I want to show you this device. That's the ADR3. And the ADR3 is sold as a harmonizer of the environment. It clears geopathic influences. So wherever you keep this, you can aim it at cell tower. It will push away the negativity of the cell tower, or you can just have it sitting like this. If you have underground water streams or overhead power lines or whatever else may be going on in your world, this thing will harmonize it. Anyway, it's got interesting patterns, specific spots, and this is what's on the inside of the ADR4 together with some magnets specifically arranged. And that's what does the harmonization. Very handy stuff. It's not that expensive. The ADR4 is currently $100 and ADR3 is only $30. And now I want to show you one more thing. This came out of my pocket. This is a bag and inside of that bag is this. This thing is called water beads. And you can see it's just black beads mashed together. It's flexible and they're enclosed in this plastic packet. And this has the ability through resonance to affect water. So if you have a headache, you could put it up here. It will relieve it. It was interesting. I had some sort of a kink in my neck. I put it up here for just, I don't know, five minutes and it made a huge difference. So I keep this in my pocket. I take it with me everywhere. If you put it in your shirt pocket over your heart, it will help harmonize everything that's going on in your circulatory system. Works on the principle of resonance, which means whatever you put it near of is going to get harmonized. It's just amazing. So very flexible, quite indestructible. You can run it over with your car. It's not going to get destroyed. And that's a $150 thing and it will last for a long, long time. And we have a cousin to this. It's called water sticks. These are tubes about this long, about the thickness of my finger. And you can put these tubes around a pipe. And when you do that, it will harmonize whatever's flowing through it. So in my home, I now have harmonized water flowing through the pipes and then charge it on top with all of this other stuff. I don't know, that's probably insurance on top of insurance. We also have, have some other gizmos, a whole house unit, vortex units. They are called vortex water revitalizer. It's a device that's a piece of pipe that has within it a baffle that causes the water to spin. And once that happens, toxins suspended in the water become neutralized. It's quite amazing. I've accomplished telling you that you can expect that this technology, this plasmid-based mRNA technology is going to be present in our world going forward. Now, whoever they is have learned that they can distribute it like this, they will. Because there is an agenda. The agenda is 
elimination of weak and just general population reduction. That has become obvious. It's a tug of war, if you will, a struggle for survival. I can expect that this will be part of my life going forward. So I'll either be made sick by it or I'll overcome it. So I'm going for having technologies present and available that are going to allow me to block this thing. So one, increase the ORP. When I put these drops of amazing O or amazing soak in water, I have raised the ORP such that the things that are in water get killed. If I spray it in my face, in my nose, in my mouth, whatever, I neutralize that which is within me. If I use these little beads in my water, I'm improving water quality so that it allows me to be better hydrated. It's called stagnation, right? When you don't have enough movement, traffic, it's turning your body into a swamp. That's definitely not what we want or need. And I did mention this thing called nanosoma. That is the defense that you need for repairing the DNA. Oh yeah, that was the third point I wanted to make, right? Nanosoma does three things. One, repair mitochondria. Two, repair receptor sites on the cell membranes. And three, repair the DNA itself. So the talk was about these plasmids delivering mRNA. mRNA gets into DNA. How? It's called reverse transcriptase. There's an enzyme that takes whatever you're encountering in your environment and pushes it into the cells so that when the cell reproduces again next time, it will be affected by what it's encountering in its environment. Nanosoma is importantly restoring the original blueprint. It's optimizing the reproduction. To describe it, I don't know if you remember photocopiers from the old days where we would have a master and we make a photocopy of that. And we would try to hang on to the master because if we didn't, there's always some loss of detail, some loss of sharpness, resolution when you make a copy. So if you make a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy, it doesn't take too long before photographs are unrecognizable. Even text becomes illegible. Well, that's what's going on if we reproduce without the presence of something that helps to reset and repair. There are automatic repair mechanisms in the body. But with Nanosoma on board, you're strongly supporting these functions that your body would naturally have to maintain itself in the original blueprint. So that's what that's for. Beyond that, I have humic acid. Humic and fulvic, it's a fluid as about as brown as this. And humic acid is mostly carbonaceous. And it has the ability to deal with these carbon structures. These carbon structures are coming to us as graphene oxide. Humic acid has the ability to help your body to take it apart. So taking humic acid daily is very helpful to maintain the terrain 
in which your microbiome is going to remain healthy. It's the microbiome that is dictating the quality of life. So if your microbiome has been modified to reproduce the venoms, it's going to do that. If it's modified to reproduce the graphene oxide structures that seem to be self-assembling and creating all kinds of havoc in your blood, humic acid will help us undo that. So I would recommend it as a daily routine. We sell a product we call Biome Magic. It's a combination of 60% humic, 40% fulvic. Humic is great in the gut. Fulvic is great in the cells in the manner of being able to detoxify you. I would recommend that. We also sell something called Ancient Carbon, which is the original source of this, both the humic and fulvic. You can take a peek at that. And uh, I add it to my smoothies. It just adds a bit of carbon. It really optimizes the internal functioning. How to explain what we need to do to cover ourselves for future, because now that they have released it, they can't unrelease it. This is now in the wild, that it's not going to keep coming. It will. We all will be shedding. We all will be meeting people who are at various levels of genetic distress. I recall Dr. Artis mentioning four main things. One was glioblastoma, which is brain tumors, diabetes, which is the dysregulation of the mitochondria, Parkinson's, which is a dysregulation of the receptors, specifically the vitamin D receptor. In case of Parkinson's, it's over-regulated, revving at high speed, causing the body to not be able to regulate, as in you are unable to control the muscles, the movements. That's Parkinson's anyway. And the fourth one was myocarditis, which of course, that's the inflammation of the heart muscle itself. The other places where this stuff likes to go is reproductive organs. So this has to do with fertility, messing around with that, women unable to conceive, well, men unable to conceive as well, women unable to carry the pregnancy to term, and also really weird stuff like postmenopausal women bleeding again, which is probably unwelcome. So those things all are related to these venoms that are going to be more and more commonly with us. What happens with the mutations is, of course, they become less and less threatening because the more and more people that are encountering it, every time an infection gets into somebody, it has the option of A, killing the person or not. If the immune system wins over the infection, whatever is coming out of me are weakened mutations, right? Like I've overcome it. So the more and more people are encountering it, it's becoming more common, but also less life-threatening. That's just a standard fare, right? The COVID, when it first got released, was pretty deadly. And three years in, the mutations are a nothing. It's just, who cares? So I get a cold. It's no longer a deadly problem. Anyway, so they'll release something new, I imagine. The point is, we need to have the technology available. 
I would encourage you to have the amazing O and the amazing soak on hand because by the time you need it, it always will take three days minimum shipping from us to you. You should have it on hand. Nanosoma, same thing. I use it every day. I expect to use it for the rest of my life, hoping that this will stay available. Humic, I'm mentioning that. You can add to it by raising your vitamin C, getting glutathione, getting EDTA. Those things are available and you can have it in your arsenal. I currently don't. I have used EDTA to do some detoxing. Like once a year, I just run a bottle of that through me just to clear stuff out. CB1, CB2, that has to do with uh, cannabidiol, which is the um, protein produced by hemp, but also produced by our immune system. I'm not aware of any interaction between these microbes, the mRNA technology, and how your body works. I could only imagine that the nanosoma will improve the functioning. I am not aware of there being any problem with the toxins, you know, the toxic things like the plasmids artificially released. I don't think they're blocking that function at all. These letters remind me of something. TH1, TH2, these are signaling molecules for the immune system. T helper cell, which has to do with activating either the innate or the acquired side of the immune system. If I remember right, TH1 stimulates the innate and TH2 stimulates the acquired. And of course, this whole technology that relies on the concept of vaccination is trying to replace the innate with the acquired. It says your innate system is not good enough, but when we give you this blueprint, your acquired immune system is going to be able to fight every infection. That's the whole concept behind vaccinations, which we'll soon be hearing in the mainstream, just what an unenlightened way this was. I think it won't take too many years before the entire vaccination industry has been completely debunked and made to be seen for what it is, a total fraud. You cannot replace natural immunity with vaccinations. Now you will hear all this propaganda about how the vaccinations have stopped infectious diseases, but I am quite strongly convinced that it was hygiene and better nutrition that's responsible for that. I believe that these problems that we have encountered, epidemics, had more to do with being malnourished than being infected. I'm recalling a lecture by Dr. Thomas Seyfried, who's a researcher into cancer, especially specifically glioblastoma, where he's explaining that glioblastoma can be greatly reduced or improved upon when we change the diet of the person. Cancer being an obligate glucose metabolizer, he explaining that when we starve the body, and especially when we switch to a ketogenic diet, meaning this, healthy human cell can convert fat to energy. It will, of course, convert starch or carbohydrate into energy, but it can also do it with fat. A cancer cell cannot convert fat into energy. So when you starve the body of starch, of carbohydrates, 
you starve cancer cells while normal cells survive. So he demonstrated that by changing people's diets, he changed the outcomes. That's what he did. I don't know glioblastoma, what triggers it really. That's something I'm not sure of. If we go to the original research by Otto Warburg, he discovered that cancer will arise when the oxygen level is reduced by 30% permanently, meaning it's either presence of toxins or imbalance of the pH, because the oxygen carrying capacity of the bodily fluids is inversely proportional to the pH. It needs, if the pH is out of the normal range of 7.3 to 7.4, especially when it goes toward acidity, the ability to carry oxygen goes away geometrically. Like it's not just a linear, it's a logarithmic drop-off. And then of course, local presence of toxins. I don't know how toxins get into the brain. We hear conversations about the glymphatic system, the system of brain cleansing and restoration that takes place overnight that we have to have functioning. So maybe this automatic cleansing that happens overnight is somehow impaired, thereby building up level of toxicity in the brain, thereby allowing for the cells to turn to the dark side, so to speak. Anyway, that's me speculating, just basing it on theories that I have read and studied. You know, I'm not a doctor, nor am I a cancer specialist. So this is just taking a good guess based on years of reading that I've done. All right. This has been Martin Patella, health coach at Life Enthusiast. You find me at life-enthusiast.com. You can reach me by phone at 866-543-3388. Thank you for being here today.